Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Jess. And I'm Regan, and this is You Pick, We Watch, the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendation. Today, we're talking about the 2009 film, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes, we certainly are. <laughs> now that we're finally connected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second time's a charm. Technology doesn't always work as described around me, and I've never found out why. Oh, I'm the worst technological person ever. So now in 2001, I could have ran circles around these kids. <laughs> if we go back to 2001, I still will. Uh, um, so I didn't get a lot of news this week from theaters or from uh, like movies and stuff because not a lot of stuff still going on. But uh, theaters, AMC and Regal, should be opening in most of the country on the 20th and the 21st. However, not here in New York State. Womp, womp, womp. Yep. So if you were planning on seeing New Mutants, which comes out August 28th, as I was, you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it at least so far, I've had a good experience at the drive-in. And the last time I was there, last week... They actually had trailers for new movies that were going to premiere at drive-ins because nothing else is really fully open right now. That's awesome. So, so hopefully really cool. New Mutants will be part of a double feature. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I have been trying to stay up on the new Netflix and like Hulu movies. So we watched um, Project Power uh, that oh. just came out on Netflix. We watched that last night. How is it? It's good. It's good. Uh, I was I was expecting more, but uh, my wife liked it, and she usually doesn't like action movies. So um, okay. Also, Machine Gun Kelly uh, is in it, and I don't really like him, so I like <laughs> what happens to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah, as soon as I saw it was Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like it could have been a period piece about the Amish, and I, I would watch that. I love those guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what my wife says. She says she loves anything. She hasn't seen a bad movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, and yeah, I think I think he was the best part in this movie, honestly. So, for good. my money, he's the best part in a lot of movies I see. Yeah. Um, oh, I actually I have something this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So five minutes ago, I just found out that a remake of plane train, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is in the works with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. And that I, makes me happy. I did see that probably about a half hour ago. Um, <laughs> and I have not seen, obviously, the John Candy one. Uh, I bought it over quarantine with full intentions to watch it so i have it so i'm gonna have to pop it in you know i mean technically it is a thanksgiving movie so there there aren't too many of those out there could be yeah. easing right on into the post halloween season with planes trains and automobiles yeah uh i probably will wait for that actually so that's gonna be cool though i don't know too much about it um so we'll see we'll see what i think Right on. Um, I don't know why I just started thinking of throw mama from the train, but <laughs> <laughs> that's also one I would like to watch. <laughs> Same here. Um, all right. So this book or this movie is based off a Roald Dahl book. And uh, have you read his books? And if so, uh, what is your favorite or least favorite? Ah. Uh. Um, I it's really a favorite not having read any of them. Oh, so, you have not you didn't have to read any of them like in school or anything? No, this was like the first time I was hearing about them when I was looking up stuff about this movie. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. Let's take let's take a different uh approach. Which of these have you seen? Willy Wonka, Matilda, obviously Fantastic Mr. Fox, um, James and the Giant Peach. Have you seen any of those movies? Ooh. All of them except James and the Giant Peach. And now that I'm thinking about it, I did end up reading Matilda when I was in middle school, I think. There was somewhere around there. So, okay. I guess that would have to be my favorite of his books because that's the <laughs> only one I read. Um. I'm going to have to say I don't really like him or his books. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you baited me into answering and then I was like, ah, nerd. <laughs> no, um, I have a whole little thing on that later uh, with my for my thumbs section. So um, I have seen all the movies and I don't like most of the movies. So <laughs> we'll let you don't jump. Don't get ahead of me viewers oh, okay because you may be surprised <laughs> but that's where i stand at this moment okay okay right. um and i know that everybody's like how can you not like matilda but we'll get to that later um <laughs> i mean i i only saw that movie you know m- more than 10 plus years ago so i don't know i can't speak to if it holds up or anything but i remember at the time i enjoyed it yeah We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see where this is going. Uh, not the fantastic Mr. Fox way. <laughs> All right. Um, so an overview. And they have urbane. So I'm assuming that's what they meant. Not urban. Yeah. But uh, an urbane fox cannot resist returning to his farm raiding ways and then must help his community survive the farmer's retaliation. And yeah, he gone done messed up everybody's life. <laughs> I thought you were still reading, and I was no. like, "Wow, that's the best description I've ever heard about this." Um, he, he done messed up. Yeah, so that's my my. I didn't know what to expect when I started this movie. Because... Honestly, with any of Anderson's movies, I still don't know to what to expect. Yeah, um, I do remember hearing about it back in '09. Uh, my boss was very very intrigued with it and loved it and for lack of a better term it was fantastic (laughs) um and i'll admit it has some flair it has uh it's very interesting the style that it's shot in of course you can tell it's a wes anderson movie just by the shots in it yeah you can always tell if everything's extremely symmetrical and mm-hmm. like pastel-y just yeah. very vibrantly colored and his long single shots that he does too yeah which is weird because he's the only director i know of that like uses single shot like single takes like that while panning you know like you'll cut through a building and be in a different room you know the only other person I could think of that does stuff like similar to that is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. He does single shots a lot of the time. Um, but as, star- as far as stop motion movies go, this this is at the very top. However, oh, yeah. I do prefer Tim Burton style ones or ones presented by him. Because everybody mm. knows Nightmare Before Christmas is not a Tim Burton movie. People sometimes forget. Really? That. Yeah. I it, definitely forgot that. It's presented by him. Oh. And now so I'm he's... gonna now I'm gonna Google that just to make sure I'm not making him <laughs> ass of myself. <laughs> uh, talking a bunch of smack about Tim Burton. Turns out he directed every movie I ever loved. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, that's that was my initial reaction to how it looked and how it felt what was yours um i i liked how it felt because especially with all the like autumn colors of the landscape it felt kind of dreamlike in parts but the texture of the fur on the actual puppets creeped me out at first you know (laughs) like i can't really tell you why it just you know rubbed me the wrong way for like five minutes and then i was fine with it yeah um Side note, it was it is not 
uh, directed by Tim Burton, Nightmare Before Christmas. It is directed by Henry Selleck. Um, So it is presented by him, even though he wrote it. And obviously Danny Elfman did uh, Jack. Did his thing. Yeah. So just wanted to make sure I was right. (laughs) Now we can move on. Um, (laughs) I think the biggest part of this that like your the fur was your thing. Mine was mm-hmm. I don't I didn't like the voice acting in it. Hmm. And I don't know, I just didn't like George Clooney as uh Fox, but that maybe because I just watched two George Clooney movies back to back and I was stuck with him in space. So this didn't uh, uh this didn't really hit with me. You you're all Clooneyed out. Yeah, I, I was a bit Clooneyed out. <laughs> so yeah fair enough um but speaking of the cast let's go through them real quick obviously george clooney is mr fox which the two movies i just watched him in were solaris and gravity oh i never got your take on gravity i know that solaris left a little something to be desired yes um i did do the an afternoon in space right up on our facebook page <sighs> Um, <laughs> perfect. But, yes. Um, I'll go back and consult the notes. <laughs> Gravity, um, deserved everything it was given. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right um, on. sound was it won seven Academy Awards, all technical, wow. and it deserved literally everything, everything it ever did. Um, the sound they got space sound, which is like non existent. Perfect, which is weird to say. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, that's also directed by one of my favorite-ish directors, uh, Alfonso Caron, who's also known for his long long takes. Yeah, and there were some long-ass takes in that movie, let me tell <laughs> you. Um, definitely worth a checkout. Um, I tend to not watch popular movies right when they come out. I usually wait for the hype die down so um that's why it took me so long but it is excellent um did you ever see star wars uh yes all of them yes okay so in last jedi you know when she takes the they're all they're all on the ship and they all get off the ship and then uh lord dern's character um, oh, yeah. Like goes through the Imperial Star Cruiser or whatever with her ship, uh-huh. and you know how there's no sound, yep. and it's like the most amazing thing. That's gravity, except the whole movie. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of side tangents today. I like it. I like the conversation. Yeah. Um, Meryl Streep as Mrs. Fox. I was so surprised to learn that that was her. Not that she didn't do a great job. It's just I don't usually associate her with animated movies or Anderson, for that matter. No, she does not. But the woman has won three Oscars um, and has over 365 different types of nominations. Yeah, so. and I think she's been nominated for Oscars. Yeah, too. like her and Jack Nicholson have both been like nominated so many times. Ten. I lost count after ten. Are you actually counting? I think like ah. I think she's yeah after ten twenty, and it's almost like every other year since nineteen seventy nine, she's been nominated for an Oscar. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, she's amazing. So. You can hear it in little little pit little bits, um, but I, I agree that it's not something that you would normally associate her with. I know a good chunk of the cast is like the usual suspects when viewing an Anderson film, like Bill Murray, yep. uh, Jason Schwartzman, Willem Dafoe, yep. Owen Wilson. Yeah, they're all in what the he did the Royal Tenenbaums too, right? Yes. Yeah, so they're all in like Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, Grand Budapest, which we just watched uh, earlier. Um, the Life Aquatic yeah. with Steve Zissou. I was going to say that one too. 
Uh, I think Jason Schwartzman is a, is underrated. Oh, he totally is underrated. He is. I, uh, he's amazing. Um, have you ever seen the movie Spun? Did we talk about this during uh, Grand Budapest? Wait, did you say Spawn? Spun. I know we've seen Spawn. Spawn. <laughs> I was going to say, I clearly don't remember him in that. Uh, no, I have not. Spun is with Brittany Murphy and John Leguizamo. And he plays uh, a... Uh, I want to say Crystal Meth Head. Oh. Um... Okay. Also, another girl from the 90s is in it, too. I can't remember her name. And Mickey Rourke. <laughs> legend, legend of the Crystal yeah. Method. Uh, and Mickey Rourke is in it. I believe it's Mickey Rourke. Um, huh. It's just, it takes place over, like, 48 hours of them just, like, the life of that. Um, really, really good. And then to watch him go from that to... Saving Mr. Banks when he plays the Disney songwriter guy. Super underrated. Okay. Never actually saw that one. You didn't see Saving Mr. Banks either? I'm afraid I didn't. Well, that one's about Walt Disney. <laughs> so it's actually about and... um, Tom Hanks? Yeah. Yeah, Tom Hanks is in it. It's actually about him getting the rights to the books that Mary Poppins is based on so he can make a movie. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Um, the cast overall includes three Oscar winners, George Clooney, Meryl Streep, and Adrian Brody, um, and eight Oscar nominees, Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Owen Wilson, Hugo Guinness, Roman Coppola, Jeremy Dawson, Stephen Rouse, and obviously Wes Anderson. <laughs> Good cast. He always has good people. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's such a unique director that a lot of people want to go out of their way to work with him at one point or another. Yeah. And um, so, moving on to our trivia. I like to, obviously, I start off with the Academy Awards. And <laughs> obviously, this was nominated for two. Uh, best Achievement in Music, written for Motion Pictures, Original Score, um, and which I didn't really like. The only song that stuck out to me, and it wasn't part of the score, was the very first <laughs> one, was the Davy Crockett song. Yeah, and the one like right in the middle where it's actual like people playing instruments. Yeah, yeah, that guy that they actually made that character based on that guy. That played that huh. character. That I can't remember his <laughs> I love name. That. The banjo guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, his little his little uh, stop motion guy looks like him in real life, I guess. You know, it's weird, but when I saw the dude on the banjo, that exact guy, I figured that you know how sometimes you can see someone with a face and you're like, I feel like I should know them from somewhere. Yeah. I got that kind of vibe. Yeah. I felt like that too, just the way he was acting. Or just the way they had it act. <laughs> yeah. I trust me, I don't feel that way about puppets often, but when I do, it's this movie. Yeah. This or Team America. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Damon. George Clooney's in that one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um You know they they actually had five hundred thirty five puppets made for this movie. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> like that's did you watch an absurd amount did you watch it on disney plus or did you have a dvd um so i actually rented it from amazon and then discovered immediately after is on disney plus <laughs> so so that's on me really um i have the dvd and they were going through um i'll get to some of this later but the featurettes in there like showed all his sets and all like how the animator went into a room and did the each shot, like moved it, did a shot, moved it, did a shot. It was really cool. So if uh, people out there can get the DVD, which I bought for, I think it was 
497 or 697 from Bull Moose, my my go-to place. I ordered it Monday night or Tuesday morning and I got it uh Thursday. So Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um 399 shipping, by the way. Um oh. <laughs> Um the other Academy Award that this was nominated for it was best animated feature film. Um Yes. So, what a year for feature films, though, that year. Um, mm-hmm. Up. Yeah, it lost uh, both of those to Up, right? Yep. Yep. Up won those. Coraline was uh, nominated, which also has a very Tim Burton feel, but was also directed by Henry Selleck. Just huh. FYI. Um, <laughs> and then The Princess and the Frog which was Disney's movie that year. That is usually the forgotten one. I've never seen that one, so. Yeah, me either. But it's still, that's a lot of, that's a lot of like big name animated movies coming out all in the same year. Yeah. Um, and then one I don't know, The Secret of Kells, which I'm not familiar with. So, but it was obviously good enough to get a Oscar nomination, so. Uh, huh. All right. Yeah. So that's uh, those are the Academy Awards. What do you got? Well, um, oh, okay. So th- I don't even know if this one's true, but I found <laughs> it and I had to slap it on here because it's so absurd. Apparently, a few people were considered for directing this movie, which just sounds, I don't know, like John Favreau is one of them. But Paul Verhoeven apparently was considered to direct this film. And I can only imagine how it would be like the bloodiest animated film I've ever seen if it was Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, it would have been like that that rabbit animated film that is definitely not for children. I don't know. What? I can't remember what it's called, but there's a rabbit movie out there that is very bloody and gory and it's a cartoon. And <laughs> if anybody knows what I'm talking about, please let me know. Because it's from the 80s, and it's terrifying. <laughs> I'm so confused. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you got while I look up the name of that? Um, all right. So, as I said, I was watching the DVD featurettes. Um, we found, uh, and really the book um, that this is based on is really a one-act type book. And it's about basically the middle of the movie. So Wes Anderson, when he was writing it, uh, which by the way, he wrote him and Noah Bombach worked on the screenplay at Gypsy House, which was Roald Dahl's estate in England, I believe. Um, They wrote, they added a new beginning and a new ending and they found the original um, ending for the main plot because he didn't like how the regular book ended, which the book ended, I believe at the dinner scene when Fox is giving his like speech and then the cider comes down, like right before the cider comes down. I think that's the end of the book. And, yeah, okay. uh, but originally doll had written um, a better, a different ending. So Anderson said it was, it was awfully lucky because he, they needed a new ending with <laughs> it. So, that's hilarious. Yeah. Did you find the the, the scary rabbit movie? <sighs> well, I found a couple of them. So I'm going to go with, was it Watership Down? Yes, I think so. Oh, that's wild. They just remade that for Netflix. I see. Like a couple yes. years ago. Yeah, Watership Down. And that is <laughs> most terrifying. Children do not watch that. <laughs> it's so weird because every time I've seen that name somewhere, I was like, ah, I'm not really into watching movies about boats right now. And it's about rabbits, much to my surprise. Yeah. I just Googled scary rabbit movie. And <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And Donnie Darko and Watership Down. And then Who Framed Roger Rabbit showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Uh, so yes, that being said, children do not watch Watership Down. It's a scary rabbit movie. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> All 
so I, I do like how this movie stop motion because you don't really see a whole lot these days. But it's actually composed of 56,000 stop motion shots. Like, I don't know exactly how long it normally takes to make movies, but it seems like this one would take forever to complete, just like the animation of it. Yeah, they, some guy, or like, I don't know who does it really, um, but they build these sets and then they put it in a room and then the animator guy goes in with the directions and has to move it take a shot move it take a shot and for just like you have to do this movie instead of like scene for scene you actually have to do this movie frame any stop motion frame by frame which is considering we watch movies usually in uh like 60 frames per second that's what gaming is Mm -hmm. this you watch they actually slowed it down so you could get the better, the more stop motion feel of it, which is kind of cool too. Yeah, I mean, I I just like it when you know how much of a sucker I am for practical everything. Yeah. Um, I guess they only use CGI for one scene, and that's when they flood the the mine with cider, when it's like washing all of them out. That's like the and that didn't that didn't even look like CG. No. No, but apparently that was the only scene in the movie they had to do that for. Yeah, it's so cool. Like, how everything in that movie was a tangible something. That yeah. somebody had to move. <laughs> That's so tedious. It really is. That's crazy. Yeah, they shot um, it at 12 frames per second. So that's like, that's when the motion's a little jerky. I think when you double that up to 24, you get much more of like a fluid animation. Yeah, and it was shot, to go with that, shot digitally using a Nikon D3. Uh, I guess that has significantly higher resolution, so you can get all those little single furs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess um, they actually got real animal fur to put on those miniatures. And uh, I guess originally they weren't going to do that because when you move you know the fur parts of their body you get kind of like an imprint from like fingers or air or something but they opted to keep that in because it made it look more stop motiony yeah he definitely did it's not like normal stop motion movies um it's very artsy i think yeah i think you just described anderson pretty well wes anderson (laughs) is a very artsy man he really is. Um, the original story to this, so the one uh, by Roald Dahl, um, was written at a very dark time in his life. Um, he had already lost one of his five children to measles um, and witnessed another one suffer from water on the brain as a result of a car accident. Oof. Um, so for him, it was only natural that he wrote a tale portraying the father as the protector of the family. Gee, that is... <laughs> wow, that's super dark, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like the Scary Bunny movie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, how how long ago was that book written? If you, um, if you know that off the top. Not off the top of my head, but I'll find it. So you go ahead and... Uh, give your next fact. All right. So, speaking of dark moments and dark <laughs> endings to things, um, the rat, who was voiced by Willem Dafoe, uh, during his death, it was almost reshot because the MPAA thought it showed a rat bleeding to death and Mr. Fox making him drink his own blood. But it was not that at all. It was like, there just happened to be like a puddle of sewer sludge next to him, and you, yeah, it sounds way darker than it is. But for a moment, I thought it was like a rat bleeding out. So I get that. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. The they thought it was him making him drink his own blood. That's that'd be some revenge right there. Yeah, Tarantino. I didn't. Yeah, it would be Tarantino. I didn't really get what he was giving. I was like, is he just feeding him mud? 
which I guess he really was, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was uh, like mud soaked in the cider or I mean, Uh, dirt soaked in the cider that washed through. Yeah, here you got it. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox was published in 1970. Oh, okay. How about uh, that? Yeah. The color scheme, as you mentioned, was very um, autumn colors. Yellows, oranges, and browns. Um, but Christofferson, which every time they said that, <laughs> I just wanted them to go Chris Christofferson. <laughs> That's exactly who I was thinking of. Um, he had a blue color wardrobe. And that was intentional, so it would emphasize him being a visitor from the outside. Um, and he did that kind of in Grand Budapest Hotel, too. It was very, like, pink and pastel And then other characters would be different colors. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was, again, you said the name made you think of Chris Christofferson, who uh, also has a pretty great role in the theatrical cut of payback nice tying it into another episode oh yeah where's the blade runner reference I... come in? <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking for one i was gonna say can we get much darker than blade runner but <laughs> no i have something i think i have something later for it okay so. um, um I, I was interested that uh some of the animals still had you know even though they walked and talk and did stuff like humans they still had like animal traits to them but uh mr fox's son ash actually has like his ears twitching a lot based on a gesture most foxes and some dogs do to show aggression or displeasure which that's kind of him in a nutshell for most of that movie yeah yeah it is um and that's really cool and the fact that he starts to refer to them as wild animals and then says all their Latin names. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's kind of cool, too. And uh, every time Mr. Fox bears his teeth when he's scared is apparently something that foxes really do. <laughs> Which I thought it was just him, you know, like, awkwardly yeah. smiling. But it's, <laughs> once I read that, I'm like, oh, that ties it all together. That's what I thought he was doing, too. Like, that is the most awkward uh <laughs> moment captured in the whole movie i think is every time he looks directly into the camera and bears his teeth yep yeah so awkward um my favorite thing about this movie and i think my favorite part in this movie um is the fact that they use the word cuss (laughs) instead of using actual cuss words So the whole scene when he's talking to Bill Murray's character, the Badger, (laughs) and then they they just go at it with the word cuss. I love that scene. That was so good. See, that's like the type of thing that Anderson's really good at as far as what I like about his movies is he'll throw something like weird in there that I don't end up expecting and it makes me laugh a lot. Like, yeah, as soon as they're, like, arguing and circling the desk and, like, growling at each other, saying cuss in so many different ways, like, that that just got me. Yeah, it, it got me, too. And he says, uh, when asked about its origin on a radio interview with Fresh Air, or on Fresh Air with um, some people, Wes Anderson said, I don't even remember. I think it was just to use the concept of profanity as a replacement for profanity itself. It turned out to be very versatile. Um, in keeping with the theme, one of the buildings seen in the movie bears cuss written as spray painted graffiti, which I missed. That's I don't hilarious. Know where that was, I also yeah. missed. I missed that, but I did notice that on the ransom note, like that was cut out from uh, magazines, which was hilarious <laughs> on its own. But it also that was part of the threat in there. Yeah, like they, they I forget how they used it, but they're like, "You better be there at the right cussing time, otherwise." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the magazine part, I love that they actually refer to it, too. It's like, why did they cut it out like a ransom note? (laughs) Because they want to protect their identity. Oh, we already know who they are. That's right. They're trying to kill us. (laughs) (laughs) Then it goes back. Why did did they write it like this? Well, you did. (laughs) So it's not without its funny parts in this movie. Absolutely. 
Oh, um, something that you might find entertaining. Um, so you remember in the Grand Budapest Hotel where Zero holds up the newspaper and it's stuck on the headline of war and they're like, oh my God, that's terrible. And it pans down to the, uh, the obituary of that rich lady. Yeah. So when uh, Mr. Fox is looking through the newspaper, well, I, I guess in Grand Budapest, they actually like put the entire plot of the movie in the newspaper for that scene. And in this movie, uh, when Mr. Fox finds the bandit hat sale ad in the newspaper, the surrounding text is the original Mr. Fox story. I was going to ask you if, if that was something you had found, because as I was watching the movie, I thought to myself, I wonder if he did the same thing with this newspaper <laughs> that he did in Grand Budapest. It was so quick. And while I was watching it, I saw it flash up. And, you know, you're obviously the camera's. That's another thing that Anderson does is centers the most important thing directly in the middle of the screen. So I I could tell that, you know, obviously they took the time to make an entire page of paper. And I could guess that it was significant because of what I know about Budapest Hotel. But, yeah, it, it wasn't something I'd normally be able to catch. That's pretty cool. Um, another little thing about what Anderson decided to do with Mr. Fox is that he gave him the, his suit, Mr. Fox's suit material is actually one of Wes Anderson's suits. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) So he goes, the reason I used the material from my suit was that I really liked it. And I thought he'd probably like it too. I just (laughs) thought corduroy might be good for Mr. Fox. (laughs) That's the best answer to that type of question (laughs) that I could ever expect. I like it and I just thought he might too (laughs) yeah he did look good in corduroy (laughs) yeah yeah he he looked very urbane yes (laughs) also I didn't know what that word meant before we started this show I looked it up as we were getting into our trivia and uh it's it's uh let's see a suave courteous or refined in manner which again from the tone I could tell what it was supposed to be but didn't actually know what it was very nice a bonus little trivia thing bonus trivia within trivia look at that (laughs) come here to learn (laughs) (laughs) i will force learning on you guys (laughs) all right um do you know that uh anderson actually chose to have actors record their dialogue outside of a studio on certain locations to increase the quote-unquote naturalness of it naturalness so sometimes they recorded in a forest or an attic or in a stable or underground i feel like he'd be so weird to work with yeah he strikes me as like a very ocd person yeah just because there's there's so much detail with all his like sharp lines that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, he really does have a lot of right angles and things. Yeah, and if you notice, like just all the stuff in the background is usually very symmetrical. If there's like three portraits on one wall, there will be three to match on the other two. Always. Yeah. So yeah, he would. I think. I think he's very funny, but I think he's one of those like really smart guys that are awkward but will say funny things and not know they're funny (laughs) i'd buy that yeah wes if you're listening i'm sorry (laughs) i don't mean to make fun of you (laughs) no not making fun just making a educated observation maybe yes please cast me in your next movie (laughs) i have a book if you want to make it (laughs) i'll voice anything hit me up (laughs) Uh, um, the helicopter, um, that is like, I believe it's in the beginning of it. Um, it's modeled after TC's chopper in Magnum PI. And Anderson says in the film's commentary, DVD commentary, he says, we needed a good helicopter. And I think this is a memorable one. And it seemed, well, anyway, nobody told us we couldn't use it. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, the later in the movie, towards the end, when they're riding the motorcycle and the helicopter is following them above, that actually 
made me laugh probably the hardest i might have laughed during the movie because the guy's like calling it in on the radio and he's just like yeah there's a motor i'm following a motorcycle with two foxes and a possum and a sidecar going down the highway i I don't know if this means anything to anyone but (laughs) (laughs) but that's what i'm seeing (laughs) oh so much just a lot of little things that he would only think of i think (laughs) yeah definitely um what else do you have um i actually have two little things here um one is that during one of the outdoor dialogue recording sessions the best take was almost ruined by the sound of a nearby boat so open to that kind of you know open to creative problem solving he decided to include that cut or that take in the movie and include an airplane an airplane flying through the shot and uh afterwards he said he thought it was better with the airplane than without and the flaw gave them a new recording idea that's so awesome when random things happen and it makes things it makes it better yeah yeah any anything that's improv or anything that they had to work around to make it better really impresses me yeah that they just don't like give it up and say well that was that was junk let's let's redo it like they take the time to listen and be like hey you know what this could actually be kind of cool and we could do something with it yeah exactly and the last uh fact i have here is that uh fantastic mr fox was actually um Wes's mother's book that she bought for him at a book fair in Austin, Texas when he was seven years old and to this day he has a copy of that same book on his bookshelf. Oh, that's sweet. I know. That's so sweet. That's just nice. It is nice. I wonder if she knew. She's like, I'm going to give him this book and one day he's going to make it. (laughs) Well... In retrospect, <laughs> definitely. Um, so my last thing is I like to go over the budget and the monies and uh, opening weekend and stuff. So everybody knows this movie is, is and was critically acclaimed. Um, and it ran through Thanksgiving all the way through to the 2009 holiday season. It released uh, November 15th. There are... Uh, conflicting reports on that. I get October 23rd sometimes. I get November like 21st sometimes when I was looking it up. Um, so not sure how accurate that was. But it was not a huge hit financially. Um, so, and it wasn't that popular with general audiences. And I think that's just Wes Anderson in general. Um, I think he has a very specific group of people that like his stuff again artsy people Um, yeah so it was a he had a 40 million dollar budget uh which is not that much for stop motion or like any movie really but opening weekend was only about two hundred and sixty six thousand dollars. yeah it's pretty rough for an opening weekend yeah um, in the U.S., it only grossed half of its budget at $21 million. And then worldwide, it barely made any money. It, was for, it made $46 million worldwide. Now, the reason I believe this has happened <laughs> is because Twilight New Moon came out the week <laughs> after. <laughs> that, that's notable. That is worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, Twilight held the number one spot for two weeks in a row with $184 million in those two weeks. Um, before this, like the same week of that it released, um, 2012 came out, and that was number one at mm. $65 million. Okay, yeah, so, I could see it's it's in a very precarious release slot right there yeah um holiday season is always tough um because people will most people 
if you're not a single person and you have a family or whatnot, or even if you're a couple, most people will choose to see one movie in the span of a month because it's so expensive. So that's true. And you don't really have a whole lot of time in that uh, holiday season either. I guess what I mean by that is a lot of really big movies wait to release around like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm -hmm. So if you opt not to see something when it releases kind of within that month, odds are you might just move on to the next big movie that comes out. Right. And you know what the next big movie that released four weeks after Twilight or yeah, four weeks after Twilight was Avatar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so you had yeah. the teenagers going to see new moon and then the next month they were going to see avatar <laughs> yeah i i think you just painted a very good picture of why this might not have done so well yeah um that being said i believe it does have a cult-like following i think wes anderson has a cult-like following with his movies now um, absolutely so I don't think he does it for the money per se. I think he truly is an artist and he loves putting his time and effort and blood, sweat and tears into these uh, art pieces. Definitely. I mean, you can tell it seems like he started out making relatively familiar looking movies and then over time has gotten into a more I'd say, you could say eccentric style. So I can only imagine what his newest movie is going to look like when it comes out. But I'm, I'm wondering maybe since he has more of a name now and reliably has like 20 famous people in every movie he's been doing since, maybe this one will be, a, be an actual like box office success. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens so i think Uh, grand grand budapest was a success yeah it was both a success uh critically and um financially for the week uh and oscar wise too i believe yeah uh i don't know i'll go back and i'll listen to our episode on it (laughs) i was about to say go back and listen to that episode if you have any questions yeah um i really liked that we did two movies but like we've done this a couple times um two movies by the same director we did it with paul verhoven um we've done it with wes anderson uh i think that's it right oh did we uh christopher nolan we've only done one of his right yes i believe so okay yeah um but there are definitely like i like when we do that so we can kind of see if they've changed if it's the same and I think most of the time they they have the same styles when they do a couple different when we look at different movies. So yeah, it's enough to know what to expect. Yeah, um, this movie is only eighty seven minutes, and I can do math this week, <laughs> and that is only an hour and twenty seven minutes. Yeah, I was actually surprised that well. I was sort of surprised it was that long only because I know stop motion animation takes literally forever to do. Yeah. Um, it felt longer to me. <laughs> <laughs> always does. It always does. No. Um, I actually had to take a break in the, almost towards the end. I had to take care of my dog and do something. So that may have been, been why, but um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, some parts felt like it dragged a little bit. Um, okay. which that can lead us into our thumbs, our thumbs section. So you may be able to guess, but I might surprise you. Um, <laughs> so this, this one's short and sweet. Um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It fell firmly on the meh, meh scale for me. Uh, but as I preluded earlier, uh, most of Roald Dahl's books or movies made from his books fall in the same area for me. I am not a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Willy Wonka fan. Um, I despised James and the Giant Peach, <laughs> which 
I almost always call Jimmy and the giant kumquat because <laughs> I don't know how that came about, but I always call it that. Um, <laughs> uh, and even Matilda doesn't hold a special place in my heart, and it should because when that came out, I was 12, and that was basically about, you know, kids uprise, a kid uprising. Um, but I really hated the, uh, the mean lady in that movie, and to this day, I have a hard time watching that movie because I don't like her. Uh, <laughs> you can't really do much about that I, I get that so um, with the combination of Wes Anderson's style and source material that I'm already not a fan of and Wes Anderson's movies take a lot for me to like get into <laughs> um, and I said the same thing about Grand Budapest you mm-hmm. can go listen to that um, I am going to go with one thumb up with this uh, because the effort into this movie is insane um and it deserves love from everybody even if it's not from me so one thumb up that's that's pretty good that's more than i expected (laughs) (laughs) i'll i'll say that i i really enjoyed watching this movie there were parts that seemed uh i don't know meander into me not really knowing where it was going or just kind of getting real slow for seemingly no reason. But again, all the effort that is put into making it, all the really intricate design choices and just little little quips in the dialogue that really made me laugh. I'd say I did enjoy this movie, but it's not probably one I'd watch all the time or feel like I'd need to watch again in a couple months. So I'd say solidly, I would also give it one thumb up. Nice. Yeah. It's it's weird. We agreed on this one. Yeah, you gave Grand Budapest two thumbs up. Yes. So you liked that one more than this. That is fair to say. Okay. Um, I gave Grand Budapest one thumb. So, Whitney... I'm sorry I did not like them as much as you. (laughs) (laughs) But also, thank you, Whitney, for recommending this movie. Yes. Um, That brings us into our viewer mail. Um, No emails this week, but we did get a Twitter request come in. Um, Follower Chenti, he follows... uh, He's somebody on Twitter that follows my other podcast and has moved over to this one. Um, And he's, he's really cool. He or she, actually. Um, don't know. But anyway, um, he requested, they requested uh, 1991's Hudson Hawk, um, which I've never seen. Have you ever seen? I caught about 10 minutes of it on TV because I saw Bruce Willie and I was immediately down. <laughs> the only thing that I remember from this is that there was an NES game uh, that they made from it. And he, the uh, Chenti said that it was hilariously mismarketed. So I'm actually really excited <laughs> to watch this because uh, I don't really know a lot. So that that sounds about right. Because when I googled it, um, just at some point, I remember it's it's like labeled as a low mark in Bruce Willis's career. Just like a misfire of a movie. And if it was mismarketed, I could easily understand. Like, I, I know it's supposed to be more of a comedy. And if you see Bruce Willis in a movie, I don't automatically assume comedy. Yeah. No, I don't now. I don't now. Yeah. In, the, in the 80s, I would have. Mm. So, we'll see. Um, so... Remember that you can email in um, all your picks and anything you want us to watch at youpickwewatch at gmail. And we have a few things you can email suggestions in on. We have our October Scary Movie Month coming up. Um, so any movie, you can send in your horror movies, your scary movies, whatever, like anything that falls in October. It doesn't have to be scary. Somebody could write in Hocus Pocus. I'll watch that. I'm going to watch it anyway. me too um you can send that in any movie that doesn't get picked for october goes back into the regular wheel after um we have our weekly weekly wheel 
um, which is what we pick off of right now. And of course, if you have any special versus episodes like remakes versus the originals or two wildly different cuts of the same movie, and here it is. If anybody says Blade Runner, I will pretend we never got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to dissect the like seven different cuts of that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so those go in for special episodes, which we are doing. Um, I think every 10 episodes is a good special. So um, that being said, I've talked to Regan about this. Keep an eye on the Facebook page um, if you haven't liked or followed yet. Because during week 15, which is in a couple weeks, or next week will be week 15. So in the next week or so, um, I'm going to be posting a contest on the Facebook page. Um, it's going to be a guess the title through emojis. I got a, my wife bought a game, a card game, and I already beat it. So <laughs> we're going to, I'm going to use that. Um, and the winners of that, if there's more than one winner, we'll go into a randomizer and um, they will get to handpick any movie. It doesn't have to be from our list, but they'll get to pick our 20th episode and you get to be on the show if you want. Ah. You get to talk about movies with us. <laughs> and uh, we don't have to do like that one. We might not necessarily like deep dive into it. We might just talk about it and see where the conversation goes. So um, I thought that would be really fun. Regan agreed. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out and I will have that up on the Facebook page in the next uh, week or so. And speaking of the Facebook page, if you don't, if emailing's not your thing, feel free to send us a message via Twitter or Facebook with any suggestions you have. Yep, we get them. We, we get them. They count. They still yeah. count. Uh, we like emails um i i do prefer carrier pigeons if you can <laughs> but you don't have to right um i feel like uh dax shepherd and idiocracy when he's just like i like money <laughs> i like emails <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a movie that really is a fantastic movie <laughs> um yeah so anyway anything anything you want just uh, hit us up. So, that being said, Regan, let's spin the wheel and see what we're watching next week. About that time. All right. Three, two, one. I don't even know what's up. We have one, two, three, four. I bet it's going to be Gili. <laughs> I'm surprised, but... Um... Excited. Uh, we actually got the new Sonic movie. Yes. Yeah, Sonic. Very nice. I'm going to have to go to Target tomorrow and buy it. Actually, <laughs> I'll see what it's like. I'll see what it costs on uh, Bull Moose. So. There you go. Yeah, they'll um, definitely have that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw this in theaters right before quarantine. So you have not seen it yet, right? That's correct. All right, this one was suggested to us uh, by Matt R. So, Matt, you got your second movie. <laughs> you got and, your wish. And poor, uh, let me see, Matt B keeps just getting the, the short end of the stick here. <laughs> he so does Aaron. I was going to say, yeah, last time, uh, <laughs> last time I spoke with Aaron, he's like, I noticed... <laughs> weirdly that you haven't picked the stuff yet huh or a big fish <laughs> statistically we'll get to those yes aaron you can totally blame regan because he does the spinny wheel <laughs> uh, i do i do do that so all right awesome oh uh, let's take us out so that's all we got for this week all right well thanks for tuning in guys next week we're going to discuss the 2020 movie sonic pick for us by matt r remember you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast at you at gmail.com you can also follow the podcast on facebook and twitter and remember those do count 
if you like what you hear, please write a please think about writing us a quick little five star review. It really does help, and uh, it just kind of helps the podcast gain a little traction there. I'm Regan. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at author Regan Brooks. And I'm Jess. You can find me on Twitter at RadMadMal. And uh, yeah, that's it. We got Sonic next week. Write us in and uh, we'll catch you. We got to go fast. We got we to gotta go fast. Am I trying to draw this out so it's exactly 60 minutes? Maybe. Ready? Ready? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be uh, one hour. Uh, you guys uh, have a good time. All bye. Right. All right. Bye.